Welcome to the audio podcast of The Father's House. We hope and pray you are both challenged and encouraged by this time in the Word. Well, good morning. It's so good to be with you. I, uh, and I just, you know, the presence of God, you'll see the, the, the values throughout our church in the lobby. And we really mean it when we say we desire and we need the presence of God and we value that as a church. And I don't know about you, but man, the Lord just ministers in times of worship, sometimes in, in ways that maybe we, we don't expect or anticipate. He just restores our, our soul and our spirits. So um, we're, we're honored and these anointed min- minstrels is the uh, biblical term. <laughs> the rock band. So thank you guys for, for leading us so well in worship today. Well, we're continuing a, a, a series uh, that we've called Seeking God, pretty aptly named because that's how we're starting our year very intentionally and and seriously to seek God as a church for our lives, for our families, for our children, and for the Father's house, for our church. And so as part of this, we've been fasting uh, for 14 days corporately as a church. And now maybe you're here and it's your first time today and this guy's talking about, you know, pushing back the plate already, trying to steal my lunch. I probably would. I do enjoy lunch, but... Wherever you are on the journey, maybe you haven't joined us for this prayer and fasting season, that's okay. But a lot of us have, and there's been um, a lot of people seeking God with us in this season. I know some of you have prayerfully considered what to fast, and you've joined us. And, and last week, we we heard from Pastor Dave on some of the results and the benefits of, of fasting. We do this, you know, not because it's, you know, uh, after Christmas break and it's a great time to lose a couple pounds, we do this because there's supernatural spiritual results. This is a, a biblical principle in the Word of God. Fasting combined with pr- prayer is effective to see God's working in our lives and to hear His voice in our lives. And uh, if you're here today and you didn't jump on board, no condemnation, but I just want to encourage you that um, there is something that happens when you fast and pray. And I don't want you to do it because, you know, we're all doing it as a church and we need buy-in from everyone, although that's great. But I just want you to experience the benefits of hearing God more clearly through a time of specifically fasting food and effective prayer and time with the Lord as we pursue Him. And we generally do this every January and in the fall. Uh, But I was reminded through this prayer and fasting season, often we come out of it and it's like, man, this is good. Like, maybe we should do this more often. Well... Guess what? You can. <laughs> and I'm preaching to myself. But you can do this anytime. So if you haven't uh, joined us in this season, that's okay. You can do it anytime throughout the year. Maybe there's a time in February. It's a shorter month. Um, because I want you to experience the benefits that come with this spiritual uh, uh, discipline. So last week, real quick, I just want to show you some of the results that happen when we fast uh, as uh, the Bible tells us to. It says that there is deliverance and breaking of demonic powers when we fast. There is spiritual protection from the attacks of the enemy. There's breaking of oppression and spiritual bondage. There's favor, influence, and authority. Physical healing as a result of prayer and fasting. Humility, which leads to promotion. The overthrowing of the enemy's plans. The rescue and healing of a nation. An increase of the power of God in our lives new open doors of ministry and clear direction for our future. 
Here's my question for you, for those of you that have joined us on the journey, have you seen this yet? Have you experienced any of these, the breakthrough that you've maybe been looking for, seeking God for, writing down in your journal and contending for? Maybe, maybe you have, and that's awesome. Praise the Lord. Maybe, maybe you haven't. Maybe you're feeling a little bit like me. You, you, you get towards the end of the fasting season. You're like, oh, man, I, I guess I, you know, I have in some areas, but I don't know if I've really maybe seen it as much as I've thought or as much as I've been anticipating. Or, or maybe oppositely. Actually, no, this has been a terrible season. I've just, I felt more oppression, more spiritual warfare, and I can't wait for this to be over. Wherever you are on that spectrum, you know, the truth is that sometimes we don't see all the results until after the fast, until the completion of the fast. The good news is today, corporately, the fast ends. So the 14 days is technically, I think, over either today or tomorrow, but <laughs> probably going to break it today. So you guys are free to do what the Lord leads you to, but that's between you and him. But often, when we're going through this season, it can feel like we're in a bit of a, a wilderness season where we don't quite see the direction or the, the way that we're supposed to go. And it feels like this kind of dry and weary land. And there's a, a, a few pictures that I want to put up today. And the focus of today's message is talking about the wilderness season. I don't know if you guys can see that here. This is the wilderness of Judea. Uh, and there's another one here that we'll put up as well. But you can see there's maybe no clear direction where you feel like you're in this open land, although that's pretty beautiful. But you don't know exactly which way to go. The wilderness is described as a, a solitary, lonely, desolate, uninhabited place, an uncultivated region that is fit for pasturage. Wilderness plays an important, literal, and figurative uh, meaning all throughout scripture. Elijah journeyed through the wilderness for 40 days. The Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness. John the Baptist ministered in the wilderness. And Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And often he would withdraw to the wilderness to pray. So sometimes we hear wilderness and we think, oh, this is not going to be a very encouraging season, but often God will design and set up and lead you into a wilderness season. So it's not always a negative thing, but we need an awareness of the seasons, of the times that we are in. What can be frustrating and challenging is when you're going through a wilderness season and you're like, I don't know what's going on, but man, I just feel like an attack and like man, things aren't going my way and this, this isn't adding up and I just, I don't know what to do. Sometimes we just need to snap and just say, listen, oh, wait a minute. This feels like, this looks like this could be a wilderness season. We need an, a, a spiritual awareness to determine, oh, this is just a season. Now, important questions to ask when we feel this way, when we get to this particular point is to ask ourselves honestly, is there anything I've done to contribute to getting into this wilderness season? Is there a choice or choices that I've made to bring me to this point? We reflect 
inwardly. Now, there's two primary versions of, of wilderness, and I'm sure there are others, but the two I'm gonna spend some time on today is a God-ordained wilderness where it's a spirit-led wilderness that God leads you into this season. And then there's a self-led, self-imposed wilderness led by your flesh, your carnal, sinful nature. You know, there's so much distraction in our world with social media, TV, keeping up with the latest series and scrolling on the phone and your job and your work. And there could be so many voices and so much negativity and so much concern that it could be hard to discern and hard to listen, hard to hear God's voice. You ever notice God's not yelling a whole lot? He's not like, hey, what are you doing? We talked about this. What are you, what are you thinking? No, he, he, he speaks to us in a still, small voice, in a whisper. So we need to quiet our minds. And often, a wilderness place is a wonderful place to do that because it can be a bit lonely. It's, it's uncultivated land, but it's space for you to hear from the Lord, to allow God to speak into your life, to allow him to tell you what he thinks of you, and to let him guide you. That's the spirit-led wilderness. Then there's also a, a self-imposed wilderness, a self-led wilderness. God does not lead you to these. You lead you to these. I lead me to these. Seasons where we're simply dealing with the repercussions of our own choices and decisions that we had made in the past, yesterday, the days before. We open our lives up to uh, outside influence, things that aren't healthy for us, aren't from God for our lives. Maybe we self-medicate. We try to fill the gap, the stress, the, the fear, the anxiety, the uncertainty. We try to fill it ourselves, and it leaves us feeling more unfulfilled and desperate and just tired, just wanting to feel better. Maybe you've made some of those bad choices and you're still living with the result, with the weight of it. You know, think about this. You can be a Christ follower and still have areas of bondage to the flesh, areas of, of sin that you might still struggle with on an ongoing basis, things that keep you at a low place. Paul wrote about this to the church in, in Galatians chapter five. Now, note that this scripture we're gonna read was was written to a church, it was written to believers. And it says in verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. So the flesh, the carnal man or woman in us is always at war with the spirit of God if we have God in our lives. Now, no condemnation. If you aren't maybe a follower of Jesus today or you say, man, I'm far from God or hey, I'm just kind of checking things out. That's cool. I believe wherever you're at on the journey with the Lord or maybe you're just seeking God and you don't know anything about this, your first time here today, God will speak to you through this message. God will speak to you through his word. But this is the reality 
as believers, as people who have professed Jesus is Lord, and we believe in him, and we commit and surrender our lives to him, that we still have this constant war in our lives between our desires, our will, and what we want, and what the spirit of the Lord, who is joined with our spirit, and we are made new, want. Those two desires are constantly fighting each other. So you can be a follower of Jesus Christ and still have these passions and desires of the flesh. Now, here's where we get into trouble. When we try to keep it as a little bit of a pet, you know, we've got this little bit of mold in the house. You know, it's kind of like this peat moss looking thing in a dark care, you know, corner. And it's like, uh, you know, like, I, it's kind of cute. Like, I kind of like it. And I just, I'll spray it with a little bit of water once in a while. And I mean, I don't want it to grow too big. I'm not getting it, you know, out of hand. And certainly when people come over, I mean, I'm not, I'm not showing them the, you know, this peat moss and the mold and the fungus growing on it, but it's mine and, you know, I kind of like it. You know, that could be an area of sin in our lives that we haven't fully given over to the Lord because of an area of flesh that we want to keep. The Bible tells us to crucify that sucker, to put it up on the cross and say, no more, you're dead. In the same way, Jesus took our sin upon that cross, upon that tree. He was nailed to it. We must do the same with the sinful nature and those things that would try to come up within us. But here's the thing. It's hard. It's challenging. It can be frustrating. And you don't want to give that thing up, that, that flesh, that desire. But too many people, too many Christians are often living on the fringes, nosing over the line of uh, immaturity and, and, and not never, never taking a step forward in their walk with the Lord because they are unwilling. They haven't conquered that area of sin in their lives or that area of the flesh. They're resisting the deeper things of God that he wants to do in the wilderness. God wants that area of your life to be crucified because guess what? He doesn't leave you without something. He gives you more. He gives you something better, something that is from him. The Bible says that no discipline is pleasant at the time. It's painful, but it reaps a reward, a harvest of blessing at just the right time. So there are things that God wants to do in our own lives for our own good. So followers of Jesus will often just continue to live at this low level, not allowing the Spirit of God to completely transform every area of their lives. Here's the thing. If you're just kind of showing up from time to time and popping into church once in a while and just kind of, you know, checking in and, oh, that was nice. And I, I come for, you know, an inspiring message and some nice songs and, you know, to see a few folks and the coffee's pretty good and then kind of just get on with my day. There's... There's not going to be the experience of the breakthrough that happens when you open yourself up in community to the Lord, to allow the Lord to lead you into a wilderness time, into a deeper time, so that you're not struggling in that consistent cycle of defeat. I want to see you come out of that cycle of defeat. I want to see you come out of that consistent pattern. And I want to see you become a strong disciple of Jesus Christ, full of the Holy Spirit and of his power. I want to see that breakthrough in your life because God wants you free. And the wilderness is going to work it out of you. 
I remember uh, years ago, I was water baptized. Uh, I don't think it was quite as nice as the contraptions we're using today. I mean, this is pretty pretty warm and, you know, nice water. I think it was a hot tub uh, inflatable tank or something that uh, we eventually had to throw out. But I remember being water baptized and I, I had a, a areas of, of sin and, a, and addiction and, and patterns that had been um, built up over years. And we're going through the waters of baptism and saying, okay, I'm going to give my life to the Lord. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. And I, and I did. And, and, and it was a, a, it's like this mountaintop experience. But often what happens is you go through a, 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 a trial or, or periods of testing after something is profound and, and powerful spiritually as water baptism. And I remember spending time afterwards slowly allowing these habits and sinful addictive patterns to creep back into my life and then all of a sudden I was at a very low point again feeling like I was in this self-imposed wilderness but something about it was different this time I, I it struck me in a way that I had never experienced before because I felt this conviction I felt this deep realization in my spirit that what I was doing contradicted the word of God, which I had stood up publicly and said, I'm going public with my faith. So there was something different now, but I, I was supposed to be now dead to the sin, but yet here was trying to creep back into my life. Now, afterwards, we went through a, a prayer and fasting season. It was about six weeks after that, where it was a tough times after baptism. And we went through a prayer and fasting season in January in a church, in our church, and slowly but surely, through the first 21 days, and then two months, and then three months, God broke off every addiction, every chain that had bound me, that had tried to oppress me, because I went through a wilderness season, and through fasting and prayer, submitted and surrendered everything to the Lord, because he wanted me to experience his freedom, and he broke it off. You see, the wilderness will deal a death blow to the flesh. Prayer and fasting kills and starves the desires of the flesh. This wilderness season, I know I'm, I'm going to get to some more encouraging stuff. This wilderness season is vital on your walk and on your journey with the Lord. Because the truth is God has an abundant life for you. He really does. He wants all of you, however, he won't allow just, oh, I'm just going to give you part of me, Lord, but this keep part I'm keeping to myself. That's not fully submitted to the Lord, which is what he wants so that he can work fully in you. So if you're here today and you're in a, a barren, desolate, dark feeling place, listen, you might be just in the right place at the right time because God can speak to you clearly this morning. And when God leads you into a wilderness time, there is always fruit on the other side. We're gonna read uh, in Luke chapter four. We're gonna spend some time in these scriptures today. Uh, now, just a bit of setup before I get to uh, reading the scripture is that uh, this, is, this happens just after uh, Jesus was baptized. Jesus was baptized by his cousin John and uh, and John baptizes him, and the, the heavens open, and the Spirit of God appears like a dove, descends upon Jesus, and, uh, and the heavens open, and, and God says, this is my son whom I love, with whom I well, I'm well pleased. 
So Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that he was given the Holy Spirit without measure. So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the Spirit. And where was he led? You can bring up the scripture. He was led. Jesus was led into the wilderness. We'll read together here in in verse 1 of chapter 4. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Reminder, this is directly after his water baptism. Where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. (laughs) The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered the devil. He said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. So Jesus, here he is, fasted 40 days, led by the spirit of the Lord. Now this wasn't, you know, it's just a real easy going fast where it's like, just gonna take it easy and, you know, just kind of hang out at the beach. You probably have some afternoon naps. No, the devil shows up and tempts Jesus Christ in every major area of life. Everything that either keeps you bound or prevents you from moving forward in life is under these three major categories that are represented in the scripture. The lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is in 1 John chapter 2 where these sins are listed. It says, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our own achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. Jesus dealt with all three of these areas in the wilderness. Now, the lust of the flesh is, is, is just a desire for something we crave. I mean, that's why the, the, the season of prayer and fasting is so powerful. I mean, we have access to anything we want, you know, and we can just eat it or maybe it's a sexual temptation that will come. There's a carnal part of us that just desires something for ourselves and for our flesh. The devil tempted Jesus and said, why don't you make that stone become bread? Now, how many of you know Jesus could have done that? Jesus could have made that stone into a nice pepperoni pizza, some mushrooms, a little hot sauce, a little ranch to dip on the side, maybe some, some stuffed you know, crust and Maybe a side of garlic cheese toast and smothered in butter. You know, he could have done that. You could smell it, can't you? He could have done that, but he didn't. The lust of the eyes. He says, I'll show you all the king. Look, here's all the kingdoms of the world. 
all this that you see, you can have. It's no different than what we face today. I see it, I want it. Man, you're driving that car, that's a cool car. I want that car, why don't I have that car? I, I, I see your house, man, I want that. Why don't I have that? We see things we want. Man, my neighbor, or man, she's cute, or man, he's cute. I'd like that. There's, the, the eyes are a gateway to our souls. And the eyes, this is a major area of temptation. But the devil tries to tempt our flesh in, in the same way that he tempts Jesus. The, the, the famous line is, you know, how much is enough? More. There's always more. I want more, more, more in any area. You see, God wants to bless you. He wants you to have nice things. He wants you to drive a nice car. He just doesn't want that nice stuff to have you. And then lastly, there's the pride of life. He says, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Let's see if you can do this. The devil speaks to this area to try and get Jesus to rely on himself, on self-sufficiency to prove something. You know, many people are at a place where there's no recognition or submitting to spiritual authority. People will come in and they'll just say, listen, hey, I'm on my own kind of journey. I'll handle my spiritual journey. Thank you very much. I don't need to be talking about this in groups or asking for prayer for stuff. I'm good. That is the pride of life. Watch out. The Bible says, and we've experienced in our lives, pride truly does come before the fall. This is a dangerous place to be. Pride comes before a destroyed life. The attitude of, I deserve, I deserve. We need the ability to take the pride of life and have it crushed in our spirits so that we can submit to spiritual authority. We can submit to one another in love. I'm not hearing as many amens as I thought I might be. That is a healthy church, folks. In our weakness, we're made strong, submitting to one another in love. Like Christ gave himself up for the church, dying for us, so we are to submit to one another, to surrender our own stuff and serve each other. Now, the truth is, the reality is, if you serve God, you repent of your stuff, you get in community, you just keep showing up, guess what? God's gonna bless your life. You're gonna live in a broad and spacious place. Mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, God is just gonna bless your life. You can't get away from an abundant life if you just keep showing up. But the truth is, is that God needs you to go through something on the front end in this wilderness season so that he can remove things that he knows aren't good for you, that you may very well know aren't good for you. He will reveal them to you. I'll invite the band to come back up. As we continue with the last scripture, and we'll finish off chapter four, it says that after this testing season, after Jesus was tempted by the devil, that he went, um, sorry, he was in the wilderness, and then it says he returned. So let's see. Jesus now returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, 
Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So first the spirit of the Lord filled Jesus, was upon Jesus, and then he was led into a wilderness and a testing season. And then he returned in the power of the spirit after resisting every temptation that the devil tried to throw at him. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus comes out of this wilderness encounter in this wilderness season. And he steps into the most powerful years of his life and in ministry. It's a direct connection to the wilderness season that he went through. What comes next? What does he start to do? He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. There's freedom for the captives, those bound up, those oppressed by the enemy, the world. He starts opening blind eyes, healing lepers, raising people from the dead, healing the sick, people that are bound up by demonic forces. He's just like walking through and he's like, you demonic possession, out. This is how Jesus returned from the wilderness season, from a praying and fasting season, from a season where he faced temptation in every area of life. Now, here's what I believe so strongly for you today and for our church. That I believe as this fasting season ends, we are entering into one of the most effective seasons of ministry as a church and in your life and over your homes, that as we have fasted and prayed and maybe you haven't seen the breakthrough yet, I believe by the Spirit of the Lord that it is coming. We follow Jesus' Jesus's example, that he returned full of the Holy Spirit that we wanna be a church full of the Holy Spirit. You see, God is bringing us out of something in order that we can go into something. Breakthrough is coming. Miracles are coming for our church, for your life, for your family. We're just getting started. Jesus is just getting started. I truly believe these next few weeks and months will be some of the most powerful times of ministry as we move forward, led by the Spirit of God, empowered by the Spirit of God to see miracles, signs and wonders, see people who are oppressed by the devil, the God of this world, the lowercase g, God of this world, people who have been bound up, because I know what that's like. I remember at a pursuit night, being prayed over in this season where I had spent all this time back in sin and thinking, man, when is this gonna ever end? And I remember a prayer over me was, Lord, open his eyes. In those moments, all I could do is just 
release everything to the Lord. And I, I could just speak the name of Jesus. And I just muttered, Jesus, Jesus, weeping, Jesus. God wants to open our eyes. Because he's going to do it. You're not going to do it. He is working through you, working through others. You know, the, the temptation that Jesus faced is no different than anything that you and I will face. The Bible says he's always given us a way out. The temptation that you face is not unique and it's not too much. God will give you the exit sign and show you a way out so that you can endure. Now, expect it, anticipate it. The temptation will come, whatever it is, greed, more, sex, money, food, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is that speaks to the carnal nature, the carnal person, whatever it is for you, at some point in your life, it is going to come into your path and you're going to have an option. We desire the things of the flesh, but God has a better desire and a better plan for us because Jesus gave us the example of how to deal with it. You see, the devil quoted scripture Jesus relied on the Word of God in context, not for selfish gain, but the truth of God's Word. This is our weapon. When you face temptation in your life, rely on the Word of God, God's Word over your life. Ultimately, this wasn't the end of the testing and temptation for Jesus. It wasn't, it wasn't like, okay, well, that's, I guess I didn't go for it. I thought I really was going to have him with the whole bread thing. I mean, these, these rocks were just sitting there and, you know, he didn't jump off like, oh, I'm done. Jesus would have continued to be tempted all of his life. Here's the reality. That's you and I today. Temptation won't end on this earth. But we have the Spirit of God. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, he will help you. He'll make you sensitive to those areas of temptation and sin and say, oh, wait a minute. No, this is heading in a wrong direction. I'm not going down this path anymore. Jesus ultimately dealt the final death blow against all temptation, defeated the enemy by humbling himself to death. Death on a cross. He took the pain, the punishment, died like sinner that we should have yet he knew no sin he resisted every temptation and lived a perfect life so that he could be the ultimate sacrifice for us these final moments I, I really do believe there is permanent breakthrough that God wants to experience now maybe you've been struggling or, or, or dabbling or you know in, in certain areas of your life and Maybe you've, you've tried, you've often tried, you made a real effort to release this fully to the Lord, but you just haven't been able to. You've seen moments of breakthrough. I believe today that there is something, and even as Pastor Dave, our, our senior pastor said, he said, at the start of this season, at the end of 2023, on December 31st, he said, this is gonna be a year of permanent breakthrough. And I believe that for our church. Moses, before the Egyptians were going to cross the Red Sea, the Egyptians are chasing them, all the chariots. They're about to go into this unknown wilderness season on the other side of the Red Sea. And, and, and Moses says to the people of Israel, he says, take a look. 
See these Egyptians? See that enemy that's been chasing you? Take a good look because you will not see those Egyptians again. God wants to do that in your life. Whatever enemy has been facing you, whatever enemy has been tempting you and chasing you down, God wants to tell you today that you will not see that Egyptian again. Though the temptation come, it is dead. There is a death blow that is being delivered because of Jesus Christ. If you'll surrender it to him. That's what it takes. That's all it is. It's not a magic formula that we have to apply necessarily. We do all these different things. You know what it is? It's this. It's a release, it's a surrender. Say, God, I don't know. I've tried everything. I read the books, spent time in prayer. Man, even this prayer and fasting season, and yet I just, I, I'm, I don't know what to, else to do. Perfect. Let it go. Release it to the Lord. Surrender it to Him. In these closing moments, we're gonna take some time. We're gonna open up this altar space. We're gonna invite you forward as we sing one more time. And if you're here today, there's really kind of two people ultimately in these next few moments. If you're here today and you're just simply like, man, I'm, I, that's me. I need permanent breakthrough in my life. Whatever it is, I mean, that's between you and the Lord. We wanna pray with you for sure. We're gonna have some of our leaders come up front. But we're, we're just gonna worship the Lord together. We're gonna lay hands on one another. So if that's you today, if you feel like, man, I need that permanent breakthrough in my life, I wanna lay it at his feet. We're not gonna crowd you. We're not gonna, you know, do anything crazy or anything weird. I just want you to simply come forward and release it to the Lord. Just stand with us here and worship at the front and take whatever it is and release it to God. Whatever it is that you've been struggling and dealing with and just say, God, it's yours. And watch what will happen as the Spirit of the Lord will speak to you. Maybe you'll get to a point where all you can say is Jesus. Jesus, when we lay it at his feet, when we physically offer ourselves, do something bold, make a sacrifice to him. God is with us. Maybe you're, you're here today and you don't have a relationship with the Lord. You don't know where you stand with God. I want to invite you as well to worship with us up front, just to step forward, to stand forward. It's like one of those old school Billy Graham, you know, altar call moments. We just come forward, ask for prayer and say, hey, I don't know what this means, but I want to give Jesus my life. You know, in the same way, I didn't know what marriage meant when I put this ring on, far from it. But I said, I'm gonna make a promise. I'm never gonna leave you. And Lord willing, she won't leave me. <laughs> Just kidding. We made a commitment. We made a, a promise to one another, not knowing all the details. Well, that's how it is with Jesus Christ. When you go through the waters of baptism, when you release your own plan and agenda to the Lord and say, God, I don't understand it all. Maybe you've never even read the Bible. But Jesus, I know I need you because whatever is bugging me right now, I cannot live like this anymore. If that's you today, you don't have a relationship with the Lord or you walked with the Lord and you walked away, I wanna invite you to come and worship with us. And then just lift your hands, just grab someone and say, hey, I, just, I wanna accept Jesus today. I'm gonna pray with you.